0: Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 73. I am your host, Ken. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, decorated FBI agent, man responsible for finding the documents in President Biden's house and turning the country upside down, Clint Jones. Clint, how's it going and how's it feel being the man that somehow has made a comparison between Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Uh, it's feeling great. I mean, this
1: wasn't exactly the career I was going for. I was yeah, really hoping yeah. when I got into the FBI, it'd be more X-Files yeah, and so. more. It's less, it's more paperwork and like go- combing through old men um, and old men's like trash and No, no, and stay things. with combing
0: through old men. I love that <laughs> sentence. Combing, Clint combs through old men. Yeah, I get That's, the
1: lice off of uh, Biden's head yeah. and uh, back.
0: I absolutely there. love. Can yeah. you imagine being this old man mm-hmm. who has finally become president and with with twenty pages out of God knows how many millions of documents at your houses and offices, you are now being directly linked to one of the the most bumbling <laughs> men in American history. It just it's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, one is completely just bumbling. Like I think our current president is, is bumbling in his own well, way, but in an adorable way. Yeah, people get in that old man way. Yeah,
0: if you get mad at him, yeah, he's he's not anger worthy. He's he's just he's he's the he's the the fun grandpa on one of the the vacation films. And yeah, it just. I
1: don't know. There's uh, nothing nefarious, I don't think. I, I don't, maybe, though. Maybe. Huh?
0: Maybe. I don't we'll see what I happens. Don't feel the uh, child eating, sacrificing pedophile vibe. Uh, that that some people attach to him. Because he's had years to hide that. He's so good at hiding it. If you enjoy this political commentary, you should (laughs) check out our sister podcast, Clinton Ken, Mumble Through Politics. It's great. It's Uh, about as much as what we
1: just did. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's not very coherent and won't inform you in any way.
0: Somewhere someone is Googling that right now and is very (laughs) disappointed. They're so excited and then just like, oh, it's a joke. Uh, so anyway, how's your how's your week going, Clint? Oh, it's great, Ken. I mean, yeah. we're uh, almost
1: through January, which is scary. Um, He's and wild. just see uh, life passing before my eyes. Okay.
0: okay, yeah, good, good. I was watching Saturday Night Live the other night. I watched that as well. Did you? Yeah. Uh, you sound disappointed. I'm very disappointed. Okay. I'm sorry you're disappointed, but let me let me tell you what happened with me. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the rest of the episode, I watched the uh, the sketch where they uh, they made fun of the Miss Universe pageant. That was awful. I, maybe to you, <laughs> I could not stop laughing. It was the dumbest sketch imaginable. Yeah, and I, I was laugh. I it literally, like a hyena with social anxiety, I was just <laughs> losing my mind at that. Every time Aubrey Plaza would uh, scream France, I, don't I know what's wrong with me.
1: I just got to the point where I was like, Oh, this is I haven't watched that show in a while. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, this is where this show is now. <laughs> Everyone's just like screaming incoherently. And like <laughs> we have this host, Aubrey Plaza, who's been dreaming of doing this, and then we're just gonna have
0: her scream like a <laughs> l- uh, yeah. Eh. yeah. Oh well. Well, other than Saturday Night Live, Clint, what you've been watching about. Whoa. Oh, man, that was a really expertly
1: done um, transition. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you. You wouldn't even
1: know that we tried to do this podcast four other times before this. No, no. It's just flowing now. I
0: had a procedure yesterday, and and anesthesia was involved, and now uh, I'm working on being sharp. I'm I'm getting into the flow.
1: You would have thought it was on your brain if you had heard the earlier moments It was really bad.
0: It was really bad. Hopefully, we won't revisit that. (laughs)
1: There's plenty of time. We have a lot to talk about. I know it. I know it. Uh, The first thing I was going to talk about was this little horror movie um, that came out. I think it's from 2021, and it's called Superior. Okay. And um, I was one night just like trying to find new horror movies that like I wasn't aware of, and I found this list. I can't remember what it was. Somebody it might have been from uh, somebody from like the New York Times or the New Yorker or something, Mm -hmm. and did like um, a list of like top six new horror movies that you might not have heard of. And this was on it. And uh, this is directed by Aaron. I'm going to try this name. And I really apologize. Aaron Vasopoulos.
0: Vasopoulos? Vasopoulos. Sounds like a rock festival. (laughs) Tell me more about this movie from Andrew... uh, No, Aaron. Aaron Vasopoulos. Vasopoulos. That... that, that, (laughs) Mesa Palua, you're good.
1: Ninety. Let's hear about it. Um, and this stars uh, a Al- Al- Alessandra, Alessandra Mesa and Anna Mira Messa. They're uh, two twin sisters. Okay. And um, uh, here's a little synopsis that they've been putting out for this: A woman on the run returns to her hometown to hide out from her identical, uh, with her identical twin sister, and alters the trajectory of both of their lives. Okay. So yes, yeah, this is very um, like. David Lynch circa, like, Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet era. Okay. Um, and the parts of it that are nailing that tone of it are really good. I would say there's a big chunk of it in the middle where it's just dedicated to her um, hiding out with her twin sister who is, she has is not, like, been around in, all, like, I don't know, 10 years or something. So it's kind of them reuniting their um, relationship and her just kind of, like, trying to stay out of trouble. Um, It's a little slow, and, and like, I like slow movies, but it just kind of felt like there should have been some other element of danger or, Mm -hmm. like, the moments where it would flash to what she's on the run from and what she experienced before was was really good and very, uh, like, early Lynchian, and I really enjoyed that. There's a really good soundtrack to it. It's, like, really um, tapping into that kind of... 80s punk nostalgia feel like it's it's cool. It's worth checking out. I, I did enjoy it, and by the end, it it really picks up uh, the pace and okay. gets into kind of what it was trying to get into, like that that tone. And
0: um, it's worth watching for sure. Okay. First thing I've been watching is your fault because <laughs> you recommended this, uh, and it's a show called Search Party. Mm-hmm. And I went into it with good faith that it would be good. I did not understand what was going to then happen <laughs> after I watched a few episodes of this yeah. which is now within a week I am about to start season 4. Uh-huh. Um this show's great. It's fantastic. It's so uh, It's so strange because it's it, it, very strange. Yeah. It flips tones uh on a dime. Yeah. But it's also ridiculously funny it's so funny and even characters i started just really loathing i have come to absolutely enjoy seeing pop up on screen yep. and uh they somehow keep bouncing between every character that they establish on top of just the most delightful assortment of cameos, yeah, yeah. of just random people uh, showing up in this show, uh, but it's it's essentially you've you've already explained it, but it's it's really simple. The first season starts with the disappearance of this young uh, girl that these four characters knew from college, barely knew, yeah, and Queens. one of them, yeah, acquaintance, and mm-hmm. one of them played by uh, Aaliyah Shawkat mm-hmm. decides she just is going to find this girl. Mm-hmm. And that is just where this show starts. Oh, yeah. Every season is different. Yeah. I, I did watch the first episode of season four. It's somehow even completely different than three, which was different than two, which is different than one. Mm-hmm. And this show just keeps going in hilarious new directions. Yeah, And yeah. But
1: also, like, the mystery and, like, moments of, like, dramatic moments are really, like... They really lean into it, and it's yeah. not like it's uh, it's ham fisted in there. It's very um, natural, and like you are are on
0: the edge of your seats for those moments, yeah. and and then the comedy is really really funny too. Yeah. And and it it does really funny things. I mean, yeah, the comedy is great. At one point. Uh, I just, I had, I had just recently passed the episode where um, John Early's mm-hmm. character goes home <laughs> for, for real home, uh-huh. and his accent, I, I just, I could not. It was so funny. <laughs> and then flip to the next episode, and it's, it's one of the characters. Not to give anything away, it's one of the the characters uh, essentially giving this impassioned speech about their innocence when you know they're guilty. <laughs> And it's such a good speech. Yeah, yeah. That I was, I was genuinely moved. And Mm -hmm. there's this little joke where there's another person who comments like, "I I don't think they did it." And then somebody leans over and like, "You know they did." (laughs) But I felt the exact same way. It was just such a moving speech. I'm like, "Oh no, she didn't do it." Uh huh. Wait, but I watched the episode where she did. Yeah, it's. It's so great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, highly recommended. It's on HBO Max. It finished out its five-season run. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a complete story. Yep. I cannot wait to get through season four. And f- and I hear five is
1: it's crazy. It's so crazy. I, I wait. cannot wait for you to watch it and we can talk about it All because right. I was just blown away that they pulled off what they did. And okay. and it's amazing.
0: Well, I'm sure I will bring this back up again, <laughs> again. next episode and we you can in, talk some more.
1: You inspired me because I, I oh I was you have graciously given me your HBO login. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. how I use HBO. And I accidentally clicked on your profile and I saw that you were three <laughs> in. I was like, Oh, I guess he's liking it. <laughs> and but it was made me want to rewatch it. So oh, cool. Um all right. What else you've been watching? The next thing I wanted to watch, I was on a kick for like re- these really indie horror uh, movies. So the next thing I watched was one that actually just came out this year. Which I mean, we're so early on in the year, and it it, it already's up. Um, it's called Landlocked. Mm-hmm. And have you watched
0: this movie? No, I uh, saw the, uh, um, the the you know the yeah. little image, the graphic, the placard for it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh, thanks, Grant.
1: <laughs> Yay! I got my gold star.
0: <laughs> this is directed by uh, Paul
1: Owens and his brother Mason Owens stars in it, and he and Paul is also in it. It's kind of like a family affair, and um, this is about a uh, Mason who is beckoned home when he like his family home is going to be torn down after the death of their father, mm-hmm. and he goes home and he um. He's going through the house and going through um, personal belongings that were there, left there. And he finds this video camera. And this video camera can look, when you're filming through it, you can see into the past and see into the future. Well, not to the future, but to the past. And you, it works really, it's like a really interesting um, mechanism that they've set in place in this movie because, like, you change the date. On the camera, and you can see that time period that you're filming. And the cool thing about it is, um, Paul Owens he used their family um, videotapes, like actual family videotapes. Okay. And so all the footage is from their hmm. their youth when they were growing up, and like of them. And so it's about him, like kind of while the house is about to be torn down, documenting their past. Hmm. And then, kind of nefarious things start creeping into that, and things that, that he really things that he wasn't there to witness, but now yeah. is seeing the past of like and kind of seeing his father in this different light, and all these things. Okay, and uh, it's a very low-fi. It's kind of in that level of like primer, mm-hmm. where it's like a very strong, um, just premise. It's to base a thing around, and so it's very low budget. Um, I, I'd say the acting is very low, like like. It's not the best, it's but you, it's it's good, it, it services the film, okay. And it's very short, it's like an hour. And um, but they do some really interesting things within this framework. And um, I was really just surprised by what they pull off. For I mean, it had to have been a shoe like string budget, um, but it was cool, okay. Yeah, I, I recommend watching it. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I loved it, I was just more like impressed by
0: what they did in the premise and everything. Okay. Yeah, I uh, Next thing I watched is a little foreign film. I decided to finally uh, subscribe to Mubi, uh-huh. uh, which is kind of cultivated indie and, and foreign cinema and things like yeah. that. A lot of really interesting and strange films mm-hmm. that you might not find otherwise. And uh, right at the top, which I don't think this one would have been hard to find otherwise, but uh, is director Park Chan-wook's uh, decision to leave. Yeah. Have you seen this yet? Oh, well, I talked about it. Did you? Yep. I don't remember you talking about it. Yep, I yep, I did. Really? Yeah,
1: I watched. I got. I got movie and I watched it. We had a whole conversation about it.
0: Really? We talk about so much, Clint. Plus, (laughs) I had a procedure yesterday. I know. Okay, I'm surprised you know my name. I'm I'm happy about that at least. All right. Well, anyway, starting again, uh, Clint (laughs) recommended this movie to me, and I always take Clint's advice, Mm -hmm. and so I watched Decision to Leave. Honestly, I think uh, you
1: got movie because I told you to get (laughs) movie.
0: No, I know that part. Okay. I remember that, yeah, that part. That was why I told you, because... I don't have memory <laughs> issues, Clint. Okay? Don't talk to me you like totally I'm a You totally remember an entire
1: trip we took I've across the country. I've never
0: had memory issues related to medications. Okay? Never. <laughs> Anyway, this is about a detective who uh, essentially, near the beginning of the film, falls mm-hmm. in love with a suspect. Mm-hmm. And uh, to tell much more about this movie, honestly, would, I think, do it a disservice. Because yeah. this was a really intriguing, uh, a very slow burn psychological thriller. Yeah. I almost used the word thriller. Um cautiously because it's it's not that kind of movie but at the same time it's dealing with some people that are 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 just struggling with different obsessions and they happen to come together and uh I I was I was pretty taken by this movie uh mm-hmm. mostly because I just wanted to know where it was going to go. Because yeah. at different points, it felt like this is an ending, but it's only 45 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. And it kept having interesting things to explore and interesting minor twists to drop into the mix to keep things rolling along. Um, not can, my can, favorite of his films. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, did it confuse you
1: like it confused me with yes. how it, it would kind of unexpectedly, unexpectedly jump from yes. like time frame to time frame without yes. really... Yeah, it kind of confuses me. There are me.
0: some really abrupt jump cuts yeah. uh, from scene to scene and from event to event that really throws you off. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it's supposed to. I definitely yeah. think so. If this was a first-time effort, I probably would have been a little uh, more leery of it. Yeah, but because yeah. Because he's such an expert storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just able to set aside th- that feeling and think, okay, well, this is intentional. Right. I'm not... I'm still not quite sure what the exact artistic reason for it was. Mm-hmm. Um but it it does effectively put you at at a arms length and makes it hard to settle into any one scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so even if it was just for that feeling, uh, it works. Um but yeah, when you're already dealing with a foreign language film and you're already reading subtitles yeah, exactly. and you're already yeah. trying to understand you know, some cultural things that you have to think through, but anybody else would just see and just take uh, at face value. Mm -hmm. It it slowed my brain down to the point that it made it a little harder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the end, I was fine. I don't think that there's any moment that that it really disrupted that ended up being a major moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. There were just moments where I'm like trying to catch up to like, oh, who is this person that yeah. like now she's with or they're yeah. talking about? Oh, and all or... of a sudden
0: he's up going to an apartment and the other cop's already there. Why is the other cop there? And everything's ransacked. And Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, everything made sense by the end, but it, it was just it would suddenly flip to something that had happened. And um there's some really beautiful
1: like shots oh, in yeah. it and stuff and like yeah. the whole end is so devastating and like yeah. kind of poetic and I, I really by the end I, I did come to kind of love this movie. Yeah.
0: Um I wanna revisit it and kind of knowing where it goes. Yeah. And that's I that's that's where I ended. I ended really enjoying it, but I think to determine if it was one that uh, I would really come to to respect and and kind of hold in a, a certain place. Yeah, I would have to watch it again yeah. and see what the experience is like because you are right. The first time was um, a little bit disjointed mm-hmm. um, of, a, of a watch, but decision to leave. It's it's definitely worth watching. You can rent it on Amazon or uh, you know I think movie is ten bucks a month. Yeah, and you this pro- was a seven dollar a- rental. And you can get a free trial, but it was just one of those anytime a a service like that, if I'm going to end up renting a movie or two a month anyway, might as well just subscribe to it. So yeah.
1: Movie is cool for that, that they get these like things that aren't available Mm -hmm. on other things, or at least for the first you know, few weeks. Yeah. Um, you can get it a little head start on it. So it's cool. Um, the next thing I was gonna talk about was I actually like had a bit of a social life and I got out of the house and I went to the what? movies without you even. That's Clint. and usually it's with you. So I went with my buddy.
0: Avatar, I know. It it was I, couldn't, Yeah, couldn't and I love wide.
1: Avatar now. <laughs> I love all of it. What, what I, a twist. I am painted blue. Yeah. Just from the neck down. You yeah. can't see it.
0: You still haven't seen Avatar, have you? No. Did I, you? Uh, no. And I'm the comic book movie guy and I just have no desire to see that movie. I'm sorry to cut you off. What's this movie No, it's that you fine. Saw? I mean
1: you you hit the nail on the head. It was Avatar. <laughs> no, um this is another uh movie that you could mistaken that it takes place at the sea and this is The Whale. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, this is by Darren Aronofsky, um, you know, who's done Noah and all the great movies. Nothing controversial, Black, no. though.
0: He's a beloved director that <laughs> just really appeals to a wide audience. Yeah, and, Noah and Mother and uh, yeah, Black Swan. and Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely easygoing. Got going. his roots in Pixar with, you know, uh, Up before churning out some, anyway, going. <laughs> yeah, he was an animator on that. And this has got Brendan Fraser
1: and uh, Sadie Sink and Hung Chow Liz, who we will talk about in a little bit on the menu. She yes. was in that. Um, She's so great in that. Yeah. And I will say this is the best um, Hallmark movie you've never wanted. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a little harsh. Wow. <laughs> Wow. No, that that was just a line I came up with it. It's, oh, that's a little harsh. Okay. Um, I will say this definitely deserves the praise it's getting for Brendan Fraser and like the prosthetic, like suit that he is in is amazing. Like you look at that and you're like, I, you, it's amazing what they did to pull this movie off. I will say I did not love this movie, it's very heavy a little too heavy, and a little too... Needs to lose some weight. <laughs> is that what that you're was, saying, Clint? I, I think you, I walked into that. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, a little, like, over-the-top uh, dramatic. It's a very dramatic... Melodramatic. Okay. Um, Sadie Stink is really good in it. It's like one of those movies where you recognize the quality uh, that everyone is working at, but at the same time, you're just, like, not fully invested in it. And that's where I was. I think... And I was trying to determine what was causing that. And at some point during the movie, I realized, like, it might be the music is doing a lot of this to me. Because it's one of those films where it almost would have benefited if there was no music at all. Because Mm -hmm. it's such one... It's like a stage play. It's based on a stage play. Mm -hmm. And it just takes place in his apartment. And it's just these few characters acting out this um, scenario and uh, going through this man's life and where he's, how he's got to this situation. And I feel like if, if some, certain things were pared back, th- because it's such a small um, movie in some ways, but at the same time, the music was bombastic, hmm. dramatic. And, and it was like emphasizing these moments as being these big moments. But at the same time, I, I think a different score could have done something for this. Interesting. And I, that was the only thing that really came to mind at
0: first. But it's... Music can do a lot. I it know. Really, it gives you the emotional cues as to how you're supposed to feel and how you're... And when you, when you feel manipulated, when it goes exactly. too far, yeah. it becomes a distraction. For sure. And, and that's it, what I felt it it almost uh not that i've seen this movie right. but i've i i'm familiar with those scores and it's almost like they're always pushing you to feel more than yeah. you're ready to feel yet and it it's when, very frustrating watching especially when
1: the actors are accomplishing that on the screen yeah. and you can you read what they're doing like fully and yeah. you don't really need that like and that's why i mean like even just a minimal score no score would have served service this so well and um I will say it's it's very well done um it's definitely my least favorite of the the Darren aronofsky's um catalog of films mm. um but I would like you i want to see what you think of it because okay. at the same t- like like i said I recognize the quality of it but I just did not have the emotional reaction I think a lot of people are having to this.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, <clears throat> one night, got into a, a bit of an indie horror uh, sinkhole, I think. And I'm just going to uh, put these three movies into one uh, from just worst to uh, quote-unquote <laughs> best. But I watched this truck stop slasher called Candyland mm-hmm. that is... Rare would I genuinely call a movie utter trash. Yeah. But I mean that with every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. It's just a trash movie. <laughs> uh, for those of you who love the uh, trash, have at, man. It's not fun trash. Yeah. It's not uh, quirky trash. It's not entertaining trash. It's it's just, ugh. So there you go. Then <laughs> there's this movie called Burial. And Burial is about, from the description, mm-hmm. uh, the the group of Russian soldiers in World War II who find Hitler's corpse. Oh, I saw. I, I didn't watch this. to transport but, him, yeah. and they get attacked by werewolves along the way. Oh, there's werewolves involved? Hold on. <laughs> That's a great description. I'm like, I want to watch this. Yeah? Uh, the, the Russians, the Russian soldiers aren't played by actors with Russian accents. No problem. Okay, we got Brits doing this. I, yeah, I've seen movies like that. Not a big deal. <clears throat> uh, I was lied to, Clint, because there are no werewolves in this film. Apparently, <laughs> what? there's just guerrilla fighters historically that called themselves werewolves. Oh, okay. And so there's there's no werewolves. There's there's just uh, people from Poland running around with. <laughs> Wolf skins, but on but this back. is on Shudder, isn't it? Yes, it's, so it's like you know, it's not, it's, it's Shudder. I, I do love Shudder, yeah. This, this was one of those disappointments that just, uh, it's not trash, it's just a bad movie, yeah. It's just, it's just bad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Candyland, trash, burial, bad. Then I watched this movie called The Offering, mm-hmm. and it is about these, uh, Hasidic Jewish family that owns and operates a funeral parlor, and in comes a body of a uh, rabbi who has stabbed himself in the chest with the ceremonial dagger. Mm-hmm. This is easily the best of the three, but man, I wanted this to be so much better than it was. Mm-hmm. It, I love the concept. I love the the folklore and different things that they're bringing into it. I, I love a good movie where uh, it's people having to battle it out with some ancient demon. It, it checked off all my boxes but just the writing and some of the performances were just a grade below what the premise deserved. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it genuinely did feel like a, a fresh premise and, and uh, you know, just a piece of folklore I was not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I was enjoying that part of it. But then it just becomes your typical uh, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. So, yeah. Skip Candyland. Skip Burial. And if you want to give the offering a try... It gets too generic, but mm-hmm. it's at least a functional horror film. That's cool. I, mean, I just wanted to lump those three together because that was a really depressing evening. <laughs> you, you watched know. all three of those in one night? I was not feeling well. Oh, okay. I had had a migraine that day, and so I had slept. And yeah. So I was just stuck awake all night. Gotcha. And I just went through and binged mm. three sub 90 minute horror movies because <laughs> they're all <laughs> as as far as i remember it's like you know 87 minutes 83 minutes yeah and yeah it just it happened mm-hmm. and with each bad film i kept going to the next one like oh just give me a good one give me a, i can't i can't go back to bed on a terrible movie what order
1: did you watch this
0: in that just, order just that oh so order. they got
1: a little bit better each time yeah That's, but yeah.
0: not enough mm, okay yeah. yeah okay
1: yeah I have one more thing I was going to okay. talk about, right. um, and this was, I even debated talking about it because I thought I'd just hold off on it because, well, why is, I'll just talk about it. Anyway, This, uh, there's this Apple series that, I, I actually had started this a long time ago when the first season, maybe it was in the second season at the time, um, but I think it was one of those points where, you know, you get a—I got Apple and then decided to cancel it and then didn't come back to it. And then mm-hmm. and I got Apple again. Um, and that is The Servant on... Um, the M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm.
0: produced.
1: Yeah, he's the executive producer on this. And it it is... When you see that at the top of it, because it, it's highly promoted, this M. Night Shyamalan yeah. joint. Um, don't go in with that in mind. Because, oh, thank
0: God, because that's <clears> literally why I've avoided the series forever. It
1: is so much better than that. Okay. Um it's it they're in the they just started the fourth season. Maybe they're halfway through that. And it is actually very interesting. And it's one of those shows too where each episode is only a half hour. So mm-hmm. it like never stay overstays its welcome. It gets you to the point where you like you want a little bit more and then it ends. So then it gets you hooked to the go to the next episode. Okay. It's actually pretty creepy and there's like some light comedy in it, like Ron Weasley from, you know, yeah. from the, the the Harry Potters. He's in there. And Ronnie the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ronnie the Bear's in there. And um so it's actually pretty enjoyable okay. and it has um some uh some good creeps and crawls in there. I will say that um the way I've been kind of ro- like I don't know. I t- how I um promoted it to my brother was that it's um imagine Frasier but Daphne shows up and there's something scary and culty <laughs> around her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you, just because like it's not a com- like straight up like sitcomy yeah. comedy like that mm-hmm. but it's like this well-to-do family and something's afoot okay. with um yeah. Okay. I will say for you though, do you know the like uh, like the general premise around the baby? Yeah. Okay. Um that might creep you out a little bit just because of the the creepy little rubber baby. But it is a real baby, right?
0: In the story or is it not maybe I don't know the premise. Okay.
1: Uh, well, I, just, I mean there's
0: like a rubber like fake baby involved with this. But it's literally a fake baby in the story, not just on set like it's supposed to be a fake baby. Oh, it's supposed to be a fake
1: baby. Yeah, it's a rubbery. Oh, nobody fake. said there'd be a real fake baby. <laughs> I can't. I don't know about that. It's a it's uh it it becomes part of it and I don't know, it's interesting. Okay,
0: okay. it's worth watching. All right. Well, today we have a list of movies because we're catching up. Uh, we're through the holidays. We got through our best of lists. And there are just some movies that we want to talk about. So most of these, if you listen to our best films uh, or best discoveries, you've probably heard us talk about some of these in some fashion other than one. Uh, but I realized that uh, for for some part of this, uh, we actually have kind of a, a cooking episode Of sorts, because we're talking about the menu, Bones and All, Triangle of Sadness, which are just the weirdest triple feature if you're into cooking shows. How Um, does Triangle of Sadness fit into that? It all centers around a meal on a boat that goes horribly, horribly wrong, Clint. (laughs) Horribly wrong. But it's not in the name. Okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) We're talking about the menu, Bones and All. Uh, that's our cooking episode. Then we're talking about Triangle of Sadness, which— Well, I'll give you—I'll tri- try. Right, give it to you. Right. Just to, uh, like, then complete it, Then Then we lose it. Okay. Possession, Possession, uh, which is this uh, bizarre little film that I found recommended to Clint. Clint watched. I think and somebody probably eats in there somewhere, so— Somewhere. They go to they a diet. They, they go to do. A, Yeah. There's lots of eating in that they one. They go to a restaurant. And then The Immaculate Room, uh, which was our Cinetron pick. There's eating in that, There's too. There's eating in that. It's crazy. Man. Wild. Let's start with the menu. Uh, This is from director Mark Mylod. I believe this is his first first, uh, feature film. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is written by Will Tracy and Seth Rice. And it focuses on a young couple who visits an exclusive destination restaurant on a remote island where the acclaimed chef, played by uh, Ralph Fiennes, has prepared a lavish tasting menu along with a shocking surprise. Um, This was my, I think, uh, my third favorite film of the year. Uh, was it that high? Second. Yeah, it was oh, wow. it was number 3 or number 2. And uh this is one I saw and then dragged you to the theater to see. You enjoyed it as well. Put a bag on um, my head? Yeah. Yeah, yep. three in the car. Mm-hmm. So Clint, uh have you had a chance to rewatch this yet?
1: I I mean I at the point where we had talked about it for our best of I had watched it twice. Okay. And actually the next day I watched it again because Jenny was interested in watching okay. it so we watched it together. Okay.
0: So what was what was that third viewing like for you and Jenny? It was
1: much better than my second. Mm-hmm. My second I had got to the point where I kind of had lost the humor of it mm-hmm. and was just seeing uh, Ralph F- uh Fine's character as a sad like dark figure mm-hmm. and the, the second the third time it was i guess with watching it with jenny the humor came back to it mm-hmm. cuz i i was kind of watching it through her eyes and seeing the humor and i could felt a little more comfortable laughing at some of it um, i think each time it's gotten better for me like mm-hmm. i'm not saying the second time it was bad it was just i was viewing it in a different way than i did the first time yeah. and it actually made it stronger for me in some ways because um, the horror angle of it was stronger um, but yeah I, I I think it slowly moved up on my list for the year um it, I don't know if it still broke my top 10 mm-hmm. um, and and I'm saying I really like this movie I've watched yeah. it three times but there was just like it was a really good year for movies yeah
0: yeah yeah I I watched this again with uh with my wife and uh she's laughing the whole time, mm-hmm. and that definitely it's it's fun to watch this movie as a horror comedy yeah,
2: yeah um
0: and it's it's something too, where I think the only disappointment watching with her is she turned to me five minutes into it and uh asked me a question and had figured out the twist of the movie. Uh, not that there's like some <laughs> giant twist with the chef or the restaurant or anything like that. It's just about one of the characters. She nailed it right off the bat, and it made me feel so dumb <laughs> for having taken so long to recognize what was going on. Uh, because it's very subtly folded into one of the characters. Um, but but the, more to the point, this is not a standard horror movie. This is not uh, the kind of thing that's just a genre uh, treat this. This does some really interesting things, and it strikes an interesting tone. And it it has some things to say about uh, class and society. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably more where it connects to something like Triangle of Sadness because it's really cutting a line between high society and the working class, and you know some of the uh, the uglier sides of mm-hmm. high society and and where that falls and. Uh, the story really just serves to bring that to the forefront but it's it's clear that that my lot just wants to dig in there and and figure out where that comes from and how does that work and what happens uh, you know when those kind of oh. polite uh, niceties break down uh-huh. and you're just left with a group of upper class people uh, at the the whims of you know somebody who's lost their mind, but has essentially uh, started their life as a as a lower class worker, mm-hmm. and the resentment in that, and the bitterness in that, and it was just it was. There's a whole other level to this movie aside from the the a plot that makes it a, a very interesting kind of philosophical and and uh, it's just a smarter movie than you would expect going in. Yeah, I really was worried going in that it was just going to be like, ah, here's the cannibal twist; they're eating people, mm-hmm. and it it never takes those easy roads. It it has much higher ambitions.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I didn't even find that side of it as interesting. Mm-hmm. The, the as far as like the working class versus these well-to-do people, mm-hmm. I was more interested in like Ralph uh, Fiend's character. I'm probably going to say his name different every single That's, time.
0: I, I believe it's Fiends. I think I think you're
1: right. I'm going to say Fiennes then. Fiends, whichever. Um. <laughs> anyway, I was more interested in him at the angle of this. Man who is an artist mm-hmm. who has been worn down by not being, um, I don't know, it, it, his work not being taken it being taken for granted in this yeah. over time. And yeah, of course, he did start as this lower class uh, person who's worked his way up to this position. But at the same time, I felt that angle was a little more interesting that he's got to the place where he wanted to be. And even in that, because people are not appreciating... What he has um, worked towards his entire life, he's not doesn't have any joy in it anymore.
0: They're they're appreciating the exclusivity of the restaurant and yeah. what that means for them. Right. They're not there for his art. Right. They're there for their status. Right. And how his art just feeds into their status. Yeah. Being able to go to that restaurant is just another story they can tell the following week that mm-hmm. you know boasts their own wealth and and prestige. And, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, and it's it's really sad from that angle too. Yeah. Yeah. Because and I think here's that's... somebody who's gotten exactly what they wanted, but it hasn't brought them joy because the people consuming the art have ruined it for the artist. Right. Right. Even though the artist started to share that that art and that talent with those people. Right, right.
1: And I I, I like that whole like uh Anya Taylor Joy's character kind of strips him back to mm-hmm. what was the um, like the prime center of what he enjoyed about it, and mm-hmm. even in like being a burger chef, there he there was the artistry in that yeah. that he like had um, forgotten about, yeah. and he always I don't know him thinking that he had to do these elaborate things to further his like artistry and just being reminded that no, like it it was there from the beginning and that was the joy in it. Um, I think those moments were really interesting and I think that's like when I was saying the second time I was the comedy got stripped away a little bit more Mm -hmm. and I was more focused on that part of it and it made it interesting in a different angle for me. And I think this will be like one of those where I'll revisit it and Mm -hmm. it'll get stronger for me and like uh, maybe even like 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 I said, it's not a, maybe in my top ten right now, mm-hmm. but it might work its way up there, and it might be one that I continue to remember, even though I don't even revisit some of those that I really mm-hmm. liked. Um, but yeah, there's a lot packed into this, and the comedy is really funny, and um, and it's, it's got all of
0: the elements. I mean, the performances, even the smallest character yeah, along yeah. the way that might only get a two minute highlight is so well cast. Yeah. And and the the performance is so spot on. And then uh you know, I was watching more stuff after the Blu-ray came out with uh special features and stuff and uh-huh. they had a three-star Michelin chef doing all those yep. dishes, yep. even the funny ones. Yeah. Uh or where they go off track and and things like that. Mm-hmm. She's on set constantly prepping dishes for the actors back in this special kitchen and mm. and elevating that whole level of things. And so there's just there's there's a level of craftsmanship to this movie that uh, even if you don't recognize that that's what you're recognizing, it comes through. Oh, for and sure. You really yeah. feel it and and you buy into the environment and the locale and, and what's happening. And then you pair that with the score and everything else. And it just, it really, it really clicks.
1: Yeah, there wasn't any detail that was left on the table. And like, yeah, like you said, like that whole like end sequence – with the, like, uh, the music that comes in and, like, yeah. just the, the bizarre imagery that you, the entire film is worked towards for that moment was that moment alone is worth, like, it, it heightens it for me and, like, puts it up with those uh, other movies that I really enjoyed this year. There's, there's a lot um, this movie is trying to get across and it, it never, like, skimps on any element that, Like, they use every element very well.
0: Every part of the buffalo in this one. They do. do. I I like what you did there, Clint. (laughs) I see it. I recognize it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Our next movie is Bones and All. This is a movie that came out last year. Uh, We, I think, both caught it. Pretty late in the year. It was somewhere in December. Yeah, we finally yeah. watched it. It was, was it on your top 10 list or was it one of your honorable mentions? It was my on, on my one honorable. It was in my top 20. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one stars Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's the description Love blossoms between a young woman on the margins of society and a disenfranchised drifter as they embarked on a 3,000 mile odyssey through the back roads of America uh that really does this movie a disservice because this is actually uh a a surprising kind of um subtle adaptation of vampire lore of of there's there's definitely something supernatural happening in this right and you have these humans uh, that are uh, imbued with some sort of power they can smell each other at at distances then they they have the overwhelming desire to feed on blood every so often and um, it uh, it pits these two uh, weird vampire cannibals on this road trip,
1: yeah, it's not necessarily uh, just blood, but it's like human flesh. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. It's it's very very interesting. It is not the movie I expected, and it's it's definitely uh, more interesting than the movie I thought. This was just a, it was always described to me as the Timothy Chalamet cannibalism movie. Like, oh, okay, he was in a movie with Army Hammer, and now he's doing a cannibal movie. That's funny. Uh, but I didn't realize <laughs> that this was going to be a, a little more at times in the vein of something like Doctor Sleep. Clint, what did you think of Bones and all?
1: Well, this is directed by um, Luca. Did you already say that? God God? Godgino? No. God, Gino? no. The Italian director who did that movie that he was in. The um Oh really? Yeah, he did that movie.
0: Oh, that's really on the nose.
1: <laughs> uh what was that? Um, what was that called? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know that one. That one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I this is a movie that I have actually been thinking about a lot since seeing it. Okay. Um And I I really enjoyed it when I watched it. And I was very, like, surprised by the direction it goes and, like, the tone of it. I think the thing that when I came, what I came away from it the most was the tone of this movie. I absolutely, like, I've been listening to the soundtrack for this, like, Mm -hmm. nonstop. um, um, Atticus Ross and... um, Oh, what's his name? The the you noon know, and the nine-inch nine nail. Oh, Trent Reznor. <laughs> the, the, from the Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. They they did this soundtrack, which I actually wasn't a like didn't tune into when I was watching it, and then like reading up on it afterwards realized it because there's a lot of like subtle departures from their general style. Like there's a lot of acoustic guitar in this. It's very romantic.
0: Um, but like Southern Gothic romantic too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's It's really where it should be.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean, it's totally fitting, but I just yeah. did not place it that they they did this score. And um, I've been listening to this score and it's just kept this movie in my mind and I, I want to rewatch it. I just haven't had the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it I really does an awesome job one of those movies where it nails the time period. Yeah. And it, like, doesn't feel like it's trying to be a throwback film to this, like, you know, the 80s nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to do that. It's just set in that time period, and it absolutely feels natural, and, like, even the film stock and everything. Like, yeah. they, I think they said, the director said that, that this was... The like cinematographer, he's a real young cinematographer. And yeah, they shot it on 35 millimeter and everything. Yeah. And uh, I um, honestly really like this movie. I um, am looking forward to going back to
0: it. I think I just rambled on for... No, no, no. It was very <laughs> clear. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're good. I wasn't rambling. Okay. I had a different experience with this movie. I had your experience for about the first 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. And then there's a stretch in the middle that for lack of a more nuanced way of saying it just sort of lost me. Oh yeah. And I I came back on board at the end, but I I didn't feel like there there's a point where they're on their travels and they run into this uh kind of deep woods mm-hmm. uh pair and they they spend the evening with them and have a campfire and and different things like that. I was with the movie through that scene, and that scene still worked for me. And then they get away from that, and at that point I thought, okay, this is going to be a road movie that just kind of drops them off and they meet different Mm. characters and different versions of who they are along the way. And it didn't. It abandoned it from there, and where it went um, was much quieter and much more... um, I I don't know what I want to say there. It just it it just lost me. It lost my interest. Mm. And it was probably expectations. Yeah, it that was seems probably, like a lot of expectations. I felt like it, it had a lot of rising action and it was moving towards a certain direction that just sort of stopped to just deal with character. And I was finding my interest in the character through the situations they were in. Mm. And so when it took away the the situations. And and the different uh things that they were encountering, I lost interest in just what then became these these two teens on the run mm. from society. And um it it just didn't hold me. Um I I have nothing negative to say about the movie <laughs> other than that. It just personally it it didn't maintain my my attention the way that I really had hoped it would. But at the same time. I got so excited that it was this very strange take on vampire lore. I wanted more of that. Okay. And when it stopped giving me morsels of that, you know, my plot brain was disappointed. Gotcha. Um, and so it it totally makes sense to me, uh, not even joking around, just totally makes sense to me why uh, it really continued working for you. Because it became much more of the kind of movie you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And it became less of the kind of movie I enjoy.
2: Yeah. And I I, think
0: our sweet spot, our balance, is a movie like Dr. Sleep, which does both things at the same time, mm -hmm. and you can sort of focus on whichever one you lean towards, whereas this one does it in segments.
1: Yeah. I I definitely had expectations at a certain point that it was going to be more of this horror-based thing mm-hmm. and that it was going to be more Dr. Sleep. But then at a certain point where it switches to, you no, know, it's more about the relationship that these two characters are forming. Yeah. Through through this bond over this strange thing that they are both going through, I um, actually really enjoyed that, that switch. And it, I was, my brain was still switching, but I, I was coming to actually love these characters together yeah. and um, wanting them to succeed and like to kind of grow in kind of this into a center, like their center point where yeah. they're like both like, I don't know, at the same point because like Timothy Chalamet's character is kind of like, like it has no moral compass at all. It's all just pure survival and um, her it's survival, but with also holding on to some part of her that she was, like how she was brought up by her father, yeah. and I like that there's a point where like they kind of come together and are, are are helping each other grow and um so I think there was a lot in that and and the moments that are the horror, I think are really well done, and oh, yeah. I will say for sure, um Mark Rylance, who plays Sully, I honestly think that could later in a couple of years be an iconic performance. Yeah. Like, his performance as this character is it's so good. It's genuinely unnerving. It's un- unnerving, but kind of endearing. Yep. There's so much in there. And, like, you don't really can't get a grasp of what
0: his intentions are. I, I-, I was blown away yeah. by his performance. Yeah. And, and it's just sinister enough to make him suspicious early on. Yeah. But just innocent enough. To make you kind of toss that aside and and want the best from him. And right. genuinely, the whole movie, until you kind of get the answer towards the end, you mm-hmm. know, is is this character, you know, an angel or a demon to, to this young mm-hmm. girl? And that I really enjoyed. I, yeah. I even feel like if in that middle section, there was a stronger reconnection to him so that he had three main scenes through the movie. Well, there was. There is, but it didn't have the weight and the length of time that the first scene and the last scene has. Mm-hmm. Almost more of a, you know, the first scene and the last scene really pair well together. They feel like they have the same importance and and length of time on screen and and uh, just drama to them. Whereas that middle one is just to remind you that he's still around.
1: I don't know. I think there's a lot in in his performance there, like, Mm -hmm. especially with how he behaves with her and like how he reacts to her not wanting to go with him that like, he gets a lot across in that time frame. at least for me, like his, just his like explosion of anger in that moment and, and the words he chooses to use are so like forceful and like, I don't know. I think it really, I don't know. I don't know. Paints this moment in a very important Mm -hmm. way. Um, that maybe like I it hit me in a way that it didn't hit you. Uh, I don't know. And
0: I think when I was first watching it, and maybe it wouldn't work that way the second time through, when I was first watching it, I felt like that was his return, but that was the end of that character. Uh-huh. And so maybe that made that scene feel too small to me because I was thinking... That's the last encounter, right? Okay, and so then when he appeared at the end, then like, okay, well, this is much more dramatic than that second one was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wouldn't work that way the second time. Right, I right. I don't know. If we haven't said it before, honestly, if if you even uh, enjoy a movie that has layers to it, watch it again, because a lot of times that really locks in. I think whether a movie is great or just good. Mm-hmm. And it's something where I think that's something we lose in kind of modern criticism and award shows and all that is there's so much content that people watch things one off and they make their decision and they write the review and they they don't take the time to revisit some of these things, and some of these things require sitting with them and thinking For sure. about them and yeah, the idea of a deadline to give your impression of something or the drive to give your impression of something online really undervalues how art works. Yeah. Art works in in a yeah, sometimes you walk by something, you know, imagine a museum and you look at it and you recognize it's good but you just move right along and you never think of it again. And other times you'll see a piece of art or whatever it is and it just haunts you and it hangs in your brain and it comes back up from time to time in your memory and um, you know the things that work for me that way are completely different than the things that work for you mm-hmm. that way, and sometimes there's some overlap. Uh, so, long story short, just rewatch movies. Uh, I think that's really important. I think that's something that in modern film watching we've we've really lost uh, kind of a a patience for, for overall sure. as yeah. as film viewers.
1: Well, that's why I like making like trying to just keep track of I I the my favorites from the year yeah. like we did because it gives me like this concrete thing of like going back to them. Yeah. But And I like doing it beyond the 10 because like this is like number 20 on it. And I yeah. this one could be with another rewatch. I've done that with multiple movies yeah. where like it was kind of a lesser movie at the time. Um, but then just like... It, some element of it pops back up in mm-hmm. your head and you revisit it and you're like, oh, that hit me a lot more yeah. than I thought it was go- like I that I remembered it did. There's some element that stuck around and there's a lot of worth to this that I
0: maybe missed the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our next movie uh, kind of goes right off of that because it is definitely a movie I think uh, that. Lends itself to being watched more than once, and it's director Ruben Ostland's, uh Triangle of Sadness. Mm-hmm. And this is the director who did The Circle, which was our both of our and number you're one. Wrong about that. The Square. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Square. Circle's a terrible indie horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Clint. In Enforce majeure. Force mature, not the circle. The circle is what you <laughs> joked about. Yeah. Like he did the square and triangle of sadness, and now we should do something with a circle. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, uh, he did the square <laughs> that both of us ended up putting as our number one discovery of of last year that yeah. didn't come out in twenty twenty two, but that we loved. Uh, but triangle of sadness uh, tells the story <laughs> of a cruise for the super rich that, after uh, a lot of uh, how to do sinks leaving survivors, including a fashion model celebrity couple, trapped on an island. Mm -hmm. That is a very simplistic description of what happens here. Uh, Clint, you saw this before I did. You recommended it to me, and this was in your best of the year list. Yeah. Uh, Talk to me about Triangle Sadness. (laughs) Pretend I haven't watched it and sell me on it all over again.
1: I honestly think that that's a little unfair that they Put the last portion of the movie in that description because, like, I didn't read the description for this movie, so was un- completely unaware where this oh, movie really? went.
0: Okay, and so it, I had seen the trailer; it's in the trailer, so
1: they don't. But that's kind of hinted at. They don't really like. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know. So I was pleasantly surprised in, in the where this movie ends up, mm-hmm. um, and
0: I guess I mean if you know, I, I mean it's like half the film, but yeah, it, it definitely isn't something that you expect from the first half yeah 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 um
1: so i i was really interested to watch this movie because i had watched the square and was very tuned into like oh what's this guy got going on next and so that i was happy that it was like oh this year he's got something coming out um but i <laughs> this is in that same kind of world as the square where he's he's investigating the like the idea of these like the wealth and the people who do not have wealth and in the same way like the menu it is like I feel like the menu and this are very like companion pieces in a way and I um I was I don't know I was trying to um gather like how much I like this compared to the, um, the square. And I think this is almost up there with that. I think there's, I feel like the square is a little bit tighter in some ways and gets the maybe some of his points across in a more concise way. And I, I think this like is, it feels a little looser. I feel like, like you were saying, like going back to it and revisiting it, I might not feel that way again. Um, but I, <laughs> I was really. I don't know into these characters, Um, and the I think the moments of like genuine like kind of silliness and comedy in it are really funny, and then the moments where it's trying to make a point about like these social dilemmas that we're all faced with and we're like experiencing and um, going through um, really has something to say about it. I, I, I saw some people talking about this, and they didn't think that maybe that was as true as maybe some of the other his other movies. Hmm. Um that maybe it was a little too on the nose, like with the kind of like the scenario on the ship and you have, you know, all the, the lower deck people and the um then like middle class and then you have the upper crust of society who are
0: feeding off all of them. Um but I think it worked really well. I, I thought it was the perfect vehicle for that. It's it's a yacht for the super rich. Yeah, yeah. The super rich do not run a yacht for the super rich. right? And so, you know, I can't imagine a story where you could more directly tackle some of these issues than what he came up with. And I think it's it's the same way that when somebody watches a Wes Anderson movie, they're like, oh, it's too quirky or cutesy or it's too much his style. Yeah. What are you talking about? So calling the guy who did the square or criticizing him for making a movie that's too on the nose about social issues—what <laughs> are you talking about? That's that's his that's his niche. That's right. what he does. Um, not that there's not subtlety and nuance to no, this, no, no. but he's he's attacking these things very directly because he doesn't want to waste time, uh, you know, trying to find a way to explore these things. Right. But even then the The first act of this movie, the first third of this movie, is just following this couple mm-hmm. through some very mundane and uncomfortable fights.
1: Yeah, like nor- fights that like uh, probably most like relationships have.
0: It it actually, bros uh, some anxiety in me yeah. because it was so real, and it's it's that couple fight where both people are misunderstanding what the exactly. other one's saying. And yeah. they both know they're misunderstanding yeah, the other yeah. person or or that they're being misunderstood. So they keep trying to bring things to a settlement and a peace, but at the same time win their point. And the amount of time this movie spends just with these two people yeah. in conflict, very, very, again, mundane conflict, mm-hmm. really sets up then the second act when they're on the yacht. Yeah, uh, Because it doesn't even get to the yacht for probably a solid half hour something like Um, that yeah yeah you know and that that really threw me Mm -hmm. off and then you're on the yacht and the yacht is just you're taking all of these extreme characters and shoving them together into one environment Mm -hmm. and uh, that was you know i i think the portion of the film where it just got dark comedy yep and uh you know at one point it gets so madcap You've got uh, Woody Harrelson as this just out of his mind <laughs> Drunk captain of captain. this boat, yeah. And uh, they have just had this horrible food poisoning incident for the whole <laughs> uh, the, the the whole group of people on this boat, yeah. And he's in uh, he's in the uh, the bridge, yeah. And he is just having this political uh, like. They're quoting Marx. And yeah. they're quoting all these things at each other with this super rich passenger, uh-huh. and they're just Those, arguing. The Russian like the, oligarch kind of over guy. the loudspeaker yeah. as the camera just cuts through and shows all these people who have just vomited everything <laughs> in, in, in yeah. existence. And The out toilets of their are all overflowing. The toilets are overflowing. These people look like this is what Titanic really should have looked like. <laughs> It's so absurd yeah. and it's so ludicrous. Of course, it's on the nose. That's, yeah, that's the point of his satire. Yeah, it it goes back not to over nerd it, but it goes back to the old like satirist styles of the 17th and 18th century. The you know the Gulliver's Travels and the Tom Swift and and all of that kind of thing, where it's just creating a story that brings these issues to the forefront because the story is so on the nose and absurd. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about that way too long. Um, where where were you? So once they get to the island, how did you feel about this movie's ending? Without spoiling it, but this movie ends a long stretch at the end. It gets very ambiguous as to what the movie is doing. It's very on the nose in the middle.
1: I will say I... I Really enjoyed the setup of this movie of just mm-hmm. these two getting to know these two characters before they're set afloat on this mm-hmm. ship. Like especially, I really like the element that they're not rich. Yeah, like they're well to do and they're doing well in their careers, but they've kind of lucked into getting on this ship, and they're trying to navigate that situation. Then I really like the ship section Mm -hmm. where you're getting to know all these other characters and just the ridiculousness of their lives and how they've made their money and, like, some by selling arms. And you're
0: having these, like— old couple that are arms dealers. Yeah, and they're having these,
1: like, lovely, like, conversations, and then that comes to the surface, like, when they ask what they do, and they're just like, oh, okay. And just the ridiculousness of that and where all that goes— I will say the third act of this movie is what really sold me on this movie. This was the section that like... And I think what I said at the beginning was about how not really being aware of this section of the movie, like in its fullness. Like I I had seen the trailer too and like saw that there's something else that goes on beyond the ship. But I was not aware to the extent of what happens. And the length of time they spend on it. And the length of the time. And like who's like... Involved in that situation and like how it turns, how it flips, yeah. and I love the power dynamic that like completely flips yeah. from the the lower um, decks of the ship, the the basically the toilet cleaners who um, take over and are the ones who can survive the situation, and everyone yeah. else is turned upside down, and now they're at the whim of this person.
0: The the scene where the the toilet cleaner. Um, woman uh teaches the rich people that she is the captain. Yeah. by giving them food when they call her captain. Yeah. is it was so expertly done. Yeah. and it it just explains everything that that third act's going to be mm-hmm. in that first night that they're on the yeah. beach. And everything after that again doesn't have to be on the nose because you had one scene that was on the nose and now you understand the power dynamic has flipped. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the third act of this movie. It, yeah. it really, you said brought it home, but that's, that's, I couldn't think of something better to say. It's, it's something that really brings it together and gives it purpose and meaning.
1: Well, it, yeah, the whole thing, because yeah. you could, it, if it was the whole thing just on the ship and you're just watching these, um, rich people who are kind of, the whole thing is just like a, uh, toilet joke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I think that wouldn't have been as interesting. It would have been yeah. funny for the whatever twenty minute that scene Gretesque is. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like you get the point of it. But I feel like this height, this whole section heightened the movie to pass the like everything that like, I had read about it, where people were not giving it as much praise as like the Square or, or um, Force Majeure. I I think that whole in section of this movie, it, it is the like like the Final sentence to this thesis that he set up, yeah. And, um, like you were asking about where it were you like specifically asking about like the whole last sequence, end of it, or or just that the, that the section? last
0: sequence from the time she sets off on the hike, yeah. And, uh, you know, that that entire the last 10 uh-huh. minutes of this movie is intentionally very ambiguous yeah. as to how this movie ends, yeah, and it leaves you. With questions as to what actually happened, especially that last shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so did you find that satisfying that it ended with such ambiguity, or was that frustrating? It was really satisfying to me. It was. It was I, totally
1: I, satisfying, and okay. I feel like I kind of. There was such a swift action movement in that last sequence, yeah. like last like couple frames, that I feel like I got my answer to yeah. what what happened with those characters and i honestly just really really love that last shot of the uh, one character running yeah and like because it it completely kind of wraps up his character and like and see you can see where he was actually could was standing with like within the relationship he had with other characters and I don't, know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I I was totally satisfied by that. Okay, yeah, yeah
0: I I was as well, and I've enjoyed reading people's takes on because there's a lot of different takes, really, as to not necessarily what happens, but specifically the running. Why is he running? Is he running towards something? Is he running from something? Is he? Uh, I've I've enjoyed that. Oh, okay, and so I would. I might be taking it a little more literal than. Other uh, no, it was it was a lot of literal takes. Yeah, oh, okay. It was just um, I'll tell someone why well, he was after running. the show, okay. but they were really interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you watch this movie, definitely uh, venture into Reddit and just read people's <laughs> takes on the the ending. I don't often recommend Reddit, but I I oh you know. uh, yeah I um <laughs> I think what the way I was leaning towards it
1: was with because of how the movie started. Yeah. And how much time
0: you spend with those characters. Yep. So yeah, that's that's how I took it too. Yeah. All right. So our next movie is actually from 1981. It is called Possession, and uh, this uh, this has a, a surprise appearance by a very early Sam Neill, uh, super super pre Jurassic Park Sam oh, yeah. Neill. And I know you love Sam Neil, but this is this is a bizarre little movie. And it is, uh, I have the name this time. Uh, it's based on this uh Polish acting style called the shamanistic method, where the director would direct his actors into hysteric frenzies and even use some his hypnosis and some other things just to get the actors worked up into. A, a state where everything that their character is feeling they express through their hands and their body movements and it's it's a very jarring uh kind of early experience with this movie because it's very strange uh Clint what did you take away from and what do you think of possession
1: well I will say I maybe it's because of how you talked about it before um mm-hmm. and and it's just like the time frame this movie was made but mm-hmm. I wasn't as Jarred by the acting style it's as really? maybe you were, just okay. because like act- acting especially a foreign film, like acting is always a little different yeah um so i I was definitely noticed it, and I noticed just how over the top and dramatic it was, but like there's also in moments there's a s- more subtle side yeah. to it, and i I really appreciated that. It wasn't like that the entire time. Yeah. It would always work up towards it. Yep. And in that way, it would go beyond what a natural like um, fight with your spouse would be yeah. or, um, or, or a conversation with somebody else and how you're moving. But it always, I feel like, had a baseline of where it started. So it, it wasn't as jarring to me. But anyway, I... I honestly love this movie. Like, I was just blown away by that. I had actually never heard of this film, yeah. especially within the like the like circles of movies that I really like mm-hmm. and like how I, I really love Lynch and like Cronenberg and everything. And like, I just surprised this is not talked about in the same level as like something like that.
0: Well, and this is a contemporary film to a lot of those films you sure. love. And so I, I thought the same thing because I remember long stretches of time of going through Lynch movies and Cronenberg movies and, and kind of digging them up and, and just pouring through them. I can't believe I had never heard of this movie. And I, that's probably wrong. I, I remember hearing the name Possession yeah. at different times, but never in a way that that suggested that it was... You know, kind of one of the spokes on the wheel of of early body horror from the the seventies eighties uh, era.
1: Was this one where like it just hadn't been remastered and it was kind of like still just on VHS or something for a long
0: time? It, uh, that's or? a good question. In, I'm not sure. Yeah, because it it does seem uh, strange that um, you know it just suddenly. Pops up on Amazon Prime, and it suddenly—I bet it did. I bet it had a remaster that's kind of launched it back into the, yeah, uh, the the conversation. Because it honestly or looks fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I will say what I was most taken by with this, and like, there's very few movies that give you a real sense of like actual danger. Yeah, there's an element to this where you like are kind of worried for the people involved and what is going to happen next and, like, is somebody actually Mm going to be harmed? Because, and the one of the moments that, like, really hit that was when there's a moment where the main two characters are fighting and they're in the street and she runs out into the road and there's a truck barreling down Mm -hmm. the road and it, like, Kareens out of the way, like swerves to get out of, not hit her. And like, and this truck is carrying like junk cars and they just fall like completely just smash off and fall on the ground. And it's such a jarring, like dangerous, literally dangerous moment. Yeah. And there's like things that like that throughout um, that would just catch me off guard. Yeah. And And I wasn't expecting in any way. And I was just, I don't know. Really taken by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say, I really loved the um, just the just how like naturally it kind of builds towards this very Cronenberg-y situation that's going on, and like you first think it's just going to be this kind of relationship drama that is heightened, and it is for a long period of this film. Mm-hmm. And her him dealing with the fact that she is a lover and everything. And then just how that slowly escalates towards this very otherworldly strange
0: situation. Very Uh, otherworldly, very surreal. Yeah. uh, Very uh, kind of stomach-turning. Yeah. Um, You know, again, not body horror in the way of just gore for gore's sake, but just body horror in the sense of this what I'm seeing on screen should not be happening. It should not exist. And it there's something primal in the brain that reacts very strongly to the idea of, of the sorts of biological uh, horror that's happening. Here. Yeah. Um, and it works both with the movie. It feels like a natural flow in the direction it wants to go. And at the same time, it's very disarming. Mm-hmm. And um, not out of nowhere in the negative sense, but it just it really was a gut punch it's for just, me.
1: Yeah. It, it it like makes all of the emotional turmoil that you've gone through up to that point make more sense. Yeah. And like what that could bring into reality. Yeah. And I, I know I read well, just a tiny little blurbs about what people kind of how they interpreted this movie, mm-hmm. and that like it could be just total like her psychosis and everything, and but I feel like there's such intention behind the situation in what these people are feeling and going through together that I feel like in some like I don't know like psychic event. Of emotion, like because you know, like they always say about like hauntings, Mm -hmm. that it's it takes place in a place where some like really traumatic, really traumatic emotional situation, like event has happened there, and it's just hanging on there. And I feel like that's what's happening in this film, that like psychically, emotionally, it has brought this like gory. Like creature of like Cronenberg's imagination mm-hmm. into reality, and um and like real reality, not just like it's
0: just her psychosis and yeah. she's imagining it. Yeah, um, that's I I liked watching it from the literal angle. Me too. I understand, you know, the metaphor there is here is this relationship, and relationships are all about people growing and changing. Yeah, and to grow and change, you have to essentially kill your old self to become a new person to be able to continue growing in the relationship. Yeah. And people do that at different speeds. And so you may grow up faster than your wife, or your wife may grow up faster than you, but essentially you get to this place later in life where you look back and those kids that first fell in love are long dead. And I love the idea of that kind of universal truth being visualized and explored literally. Yeah, uh, that's That's what especially on multiple viewings after the first time, that's really what captured my imagination was just that idea of metaphor being birthed into, like you're saying, like almost like a psychic event where it's it's manifesting literally based on what's happening emotionally with these characters.
1: Right, like she's completely like emotionally invested in, like she she wants this relationship to exist in some form still. But maybe she's got to do, like has to happen by her completely just forming the perfect version of this mate. that Because he can't can't do it. He he can't do that or he's not that person anymore because they have grown separately. And um, so she's going to form this and and he does the exact same thing, but like through just like pure coincidence of meeting this doppelganger.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I man the whole just like doppelganger angle in this is so subtle and interesting yep. too. Um yeah. It, I honestly I this movie is so good.
0: Yeah. I, I can't believe that I just haven't heard more yeah. about it. Yeah. Um yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> our final film, I can tell you this is not going to get the level of conversation that those first four films got. And it is the Cynetron pick, The Immaculate Room, and uh, this stars Kate Bosworth and Emile Hirsch, both of whom really are past the peak of their careers. Um, (laughs) These two actors... You Know you go back 10, 15 years, uh, to Wild and Girl Next Door and things like that. And um, was she in Girl Next Door? Maybe that's the wrong movie, but anyway, I think that's the What's Her Name from um, yeah, you're right, 24. Uh, but you go back and you really, <laughs> I know, I really, but really hit that the butt. microphone, sorry, yeah. uh, but uh. You know, these are actors past their prime, and honestly, this is a movie past its prime. Uh, This is Mike and Kate, a seemingly perfect couple, join a psychological experiment to compete for $5 million if they can last 50 days in a sleek white room in a complete isolation. No phones, no family, only the voice of the Immaculate Room, keeping them in check if they think of straying. However, things go horribly, horribly wrong. Clint, (laughs) good God, what did you think of the Immaculate Room? Um I love the extended pause <laughs> when you don't want to tear down someone's art, but at the same time, I, I just go ahead, Clint.
1: What was that movie with Emile Hirsch and Paul Redd that we really loved? The one by um Oh
0: uh, Prince Avalanche. Prince, like okay, he love was he was Prince great Avalanche.
1: in that. Yep. I don't I don't know. I think he could do something interesting. Like
0: this was not it. <laughs> In this movie, I feel like he is the type of actor who gives a director a lot of different takes and a lot of different emotional range to pick from. I don't blame Emile Hirsch for this movie. I blame the editor and director for picking probably his more intense takes. This is uh or that's the way they pushed him to be like cuz he maybe, was kind of off
1: from like other things I've seen him in. Yeah, uh, imagine like kind of the shining. Of him.
0: Yeah, imagine the shining if Jack Nicholson was already at the last half hour of the film the right, whole time. Right, right, right. It completely undermines any tension, suspense where this thing is going. Um I
1: yeah. I'm having a hard time determining if like at the center of this movie if there is a good premise or no. Let me help you out there now. <laughs> no. Don't I I don't know like maybe some other if a director was not completely just like fixated and focused on just these two characters if they wanted to go into the whole like premise of like okay you go into this room you last 50 days you get 50 mi- or uh, 5 million dollars and then the things start building and getting stranger like it's it's hard to deal with like no outside um like you know um interfere like stimuli yeah. and you are um just kind of left your own devices and you are starting to go a little strange and start trying to actually pick apart what is actually happening here? Yeah. What is this happening with the Immaculate Room? And you start diving yes. into that angle of it. Yes. That could have been interesting. I and you, agree with and you. And you get into like, oh, there's something more nefarious going on here. If this movie was meander,
0: yeah, uh, where it sure. was characters who at first think they understand the situation. But because this is clearly an unethical experiment. Yeah. And so this either needed to lean into there's something up here and this is not above board and we need to figure out what's going on. Oh, no, we're trapped or whatever else. Or this is an ethical experience and this is really a character drama about our relationship. Right. It was neither of those things. No, no. And so I had a very difficult time. Because they're both very uninteresting, for one.
1: Yes. There's large just portions where it's just montages of them and how they spend their days, which are like jogging and sleeping and brushing their teeth and stuff. Like... I, also, is it a social experiment or is this a, like, reality television
0: Truman Show situation? Yeah. Even even if it was a reality show situation, that would explain the the ethics of the whole thing. Yeah. And just, you know, what is this? And why is this? And how is this? And not that I need a movie to answer all those things. No. Meander doesn't answer those things. But make it... You could
1: hint that there's a little bit more going on than sure. just, like... There's this scenario where you can get five million dollars. Yep. And if you can last 50 days without yep. um
0: going crazy. Yeah. Or okay. put two couples in the room. Right. And watch the dynamic shift around yeah. and the conflicts naturally between each of the couples drives this guy to this girl or or vice versa or whatever. That would have been more interesting. Um
1: yeah, even how they, like, introduce the third character who he yeah. gets through his um, treats. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Their yes. treats? Like, that was even very uninteresting because, like, it wasn't like she was in there to purposely, like, seduce him. Yeah. Like, that wasn't her goal. It was just, like, she was told... That, oh, you're on retainer for uh, 30 days and you have to – if you're called up, you got to go in there. And she doesn't Just be know, ready to be naked. Right. And like she doesn't – even she goes in there and then like, oh, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. She had no – like no motivation or anything. So it was just – very strange like all around with what they tried to they decided to focus on yeah. and in every single angle it was the least interesting yeah. like angle I, of what it could have been
0: i agree and especially where it all goes just like why was this film right. you know <laughs> why i i don't understand at the end of the day why this film was filmed and also <laughs> just like the like <sighs> The the
1: on-the-nose moment of a gun just shows up? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I was like, okay, okay, yeah, cool. Why? (laughs) You know, the the old rule of a gun, I mean, a gun's presented. It's got to be used. Yeah, yeah.
0: It just, there's there's so many different ways. Uh, You could have had a ring of items from day one around the edge of the room. Uh, A gun is one of them. And give me a close up of that gun if you want to, or you know what I mean. But it's just the gun shows where, up as the tree. Yeah, it, where where the dynamics shift based on objects. Yeah, fine. Uh, but but I felt like everything was created because whoever is producing this, whether it's a reality show or experiment, they're like these people are boring. I don't know. <laughs> send a naked lady in. These people are Let's still give boring. Them, give them a gun.
1: Give them a crayon. <laughs> They give him a crayon and there's a long yeah. just montage of him yeah. just drawing on the walls. Yeah. And just wait for her to insult his art. That'll yeah. that'll
0: make for good drama. Mm-hmm. It just ugh. all right. So uh the menu, Clint and I both highly recommend. Uh Bones and All, Clint had a much easier time with than I did. I still recognize it's a great film. I swallowed uh, them all but, down. Oh, oh, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Triangle of Sadness uh, was another great satire.
1: I'm glad you liked that. I was afraid that you may have uh, found things that... No, glad I just it.
0: thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was one of those things where from the trailer, I thought so much of the movie was going to be the cruise ship, mm-hmm. and I was braced to not like it. Yeah. But the the opening act really just drew me in and made the cruise ship mean something. And yeah. then the fact that the cruise ship was just there to get them to the next... Yeah challenge to their relationship. I it's not quite as good as the square. I think we're both in the same place on. Yeah. It. yeah. But it's 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 up there. Yeah. Uh Possession, a uh, crazy little 1981 body horror movie that you should definitely check out if you're into early Cronenberg or Lynch or or just anything different and weird. Brace and yourself because
1: it is so strange. Whew, man, like on every it
0: angle it's so strange. Yeah. And then let's just forget the Immaculate Room. Let's just, let's all agree <laughs> To forget the Immaculate Room. But you can watch it for free. It's on Hulu. Hulu. So, yeah. you know, knock yourself out. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Let's uh, let's spin up Sinetron and uh, see if Sinetron has something. Please something better than the Immaculate please Room. Please something better than the Immaculate Room.
1: believe what just happened all right what just happened it landed on the immaculate room again (laughs) in the immaculate room clint
0: spin it again that's crazy
1: Uh, and i just loaded this thing up with fresh (laughs) movies and it had to land on that again i got one ken okay I don't know. Maybe you watch this. Maybe this might be, this might be a bad mistake that that is going to put us like in uh, make us go through. Okay,
0: love and monsters. Love and monsters. Is that like a musical thing on Hulu or something? No, it's a movie. It's a movie. Did you already watch it? No. All right. Let me find out what this is, and um, we can. Talk about it a little more clearly.
1: Okay. Well, it's got a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um. This is from twenty twenty.
0: All right. So let's start after the spin again.
1: Okay, Ken. I got one. Okay. Um. I don't know much about this. Okay. Um. The trailer looked kind of interesting, and it had the word monsters in the title. So this is <laughs> okay. Love and Monsters from oh. twenty twenty.
0: Okay. Um do you know anything about it? I I don't know a lot about it. I know Rotten Tomatoes says it's good. Uh I believe, but um uh sorry, I'm just looking at the description now. 7 years after the Monster Pocalypse,
1: <laughs> Good oh, start. Clint,
0: Clint Clint. It's
1: got 94%. It can't be all bad.
0: Clint Clint. <laughs> You know how Rotten Tomatoes works. You know the number of Fast and Furious films that have like 90%. It's, you know, people love bad things. <laughs> All right. No, it's got it's it's got a decent cast. It's Dylan O'Brien and Jessica Henwick. There's some good young actors on here. Seven years after he survived the monster apocalypse, lovably hapless Joel leaves his cozy underground bunker on a quest. All right, this this kind of sounds. Fun actually. Empire magazine says Love and Monsters is a blast. Okay. Well, I honestly I do. Empire they're they're fairly hard on movies, and so I I really enjoy Empire reviews. But all right, all right. Love and Monsters. It's got to be better than the Immaculate Room. hundred percent is going to be better than the Immaculate Room. Yeah. Again, it's not often I get to the end and think, why did this film film? But. <laughs> The Immaculate Room did that to me. All right. So, uh, as always, you can find us at Uh Somebody pointed out that our website was not getting updated fast enough. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I realized that our updates were on a schedule, apparently. And uh, even though I would put updates in, wouldn't update on time. So, people have been wondering. Like pod updates? Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, when you go through and put in the different episodes and oh, things gotcha. like that. I didn't realize I had a option on for auto-updating that was set to two weeks. So, <laughs> things were just popping up real late. Uh, but thank you for catching that. Uh, I took care of that. So, things should be much more updated. But you can also find us on Instagram, at Cinebabel, and you can send us questions. I know I say that all the time, and I keep promising that we're going to actually answer these questions. We should probably do that. Yeah, I... Agree. Let's go a little that. bit lengthy. So yeah. but uh yeah. So enjoy your week, Clint. And uh thanks to all of you at home and on subways around the world listening to our uh little fledgling podcast. It's yeah. a good time. I yeah. promise next week I won't have just had a medical procedure and I'll be a little sharper. So. Well, we can hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go watch the circle. I don't know about you. So. <laughs> All right, Clint. This has been episode 73 of Cinebabble. Thanks, as always, for listening. You have yourself a good one, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint.